Good day, gentlemen. I would like to request your time. If but for a moment, you see old boy my cock has got three fingers stabbing into it right now, and not wholly without my permission. I need you to come over here, and pour the rest of my tea right into me. You heard me right, Captain. Fill my dick. Hello, this is Sweet Pussy. It's the Chud Show. It's the Chud Show. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Hello, this is Sweet Pussy. It's the Chud Show. It's the Chud Show. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Hello, this is Sweet Pussy. It's the Chud Show. It's the Chud Show. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Hello, this is Sweet Pussy. Hey guys, welcome to the uh, Chud Podcast here. It's a special LA installment. I've got Devin Faraci sitting here and no one else. Um, we were... <laughs> I was gonna name drop just somebody from the LA contingent, but that would have just been mean. So, Devin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing very well, Mr. Nick Nunziata. Uh, thank you for asking. Yeah, we are here at, uh, at the hotel uh, talking about various uh, things. We are in the heart of Hollywood here. At the is this hotel. is this the heart? No, because when I the pamphlet said the scrotum. Yeah, this is definitely sort of the taint area of Hollywood, mostly. No, I hate that word. <laughs> I fucking hate that one. It's not as bad as Grundle, but it's fucking. Oh, I bad. like taint because it taint the balls and taint the asshole. <laughs> is that what it's supposed to? That's be? what it is. Yeah. Taint the balls and taint the asshole. Okay, um, it's an Irish one. <laughs> even worse. Um, so we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, various shit. See how it works out. I uh, don't want to spoil you guys. Uh, I can't afford to come out here too often, so Devin might have to get his own microphone. Yes. $99 at Best Buy for this kit. Really? It comes with the Audacity software. And it looks like I'm in a old-timey radio station right now. Yes. Well, it doesn't help that David Strath there in, in black and white is on, <laughs> it's on my bed waiting. Wait, wearing nothing in black and white and nothing else. And he's got all eight men out. <laughs> so, um... You, you flicked my computer off and it froze. I don't know what just happened. Incredible. Uh, so, Devin, uh, let's, let's, let's start off with a little <clears throat> bit of Friday the 13th discussion to start off. Okay. Uh, first, preface this by saying which of your favorite ones are in the original canon. Uh, my favorite Friday is part six, Jason Lives, and after that is uh, part four, the final chapter. Without a doubt, those are, yeah, my, those are my two favorites. Actually, those are my two favorite, too, in the opposite order. I haven't watched six again lately, but from what I've been told, it's lost <coughs> in terms of the humor not being as effective. See, I disagree. It's funny. I thought 4 was my favorite forever and ever and ever, and then when I did my 10 days of 13, I watched them all again, and I realized that the humor in 6 is actually really effective, and the, the storytelling in 6 is really effective. It's sort of, it's the least, I mean, well, it isn't the least Friday out of all of them, because I think Part 9 is the least Friday out of all of them, but it doesn't have a lot of the general Friday stuff. It has its own very strange feel. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I think I think it's probably the most fun installment. I think it's my favorite zombie Jason one, and uh, it has some really awesome kills. Horshack gets his heart punched out. Uh, a cop gets bent in half, and there are actual children in the movie who are being menaced by Jason, which we've seen in no other Friday shot. movie. You know where that was shot? Where? Georgia. Was it? Yep. 
Just like Halloween 2. Uh, Chud's best friend, Carl Cunningham, actually uh, was peripherally somewhat <laughs> not really involved at all in this. This was his follow-up to Invasion USA? <laughs> it really was. Uh, I remember he had a friend who was one of the kids underneath. There's kids underneath one of the yeah, cabins. Yeah. One of those is a kid named, I think, Tommy Newell or something like that. And he's a friend of Carl's. Wow. Him. Those kids are great. Yeah. They have some funny lines. Whatever happened to Tom Matthews? That guy was actually he was in two seminal genre films and then disappeared. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what happened to him. I mean, he's like on like some of the special features on the original box set, and he seems like a pretty nice guy. I just think that he was like so 80s. It's the same thing I was telling you earlier tonight. I became MySpace friends with Jewel Shepard, who was in Zapped and who was in with Tom Matthews in Return of the Living Dead. And, you know, I mean, her career just never really went anywhere either. And she's, you know, a wonderful woman or, and it still looks pretty good, too. Uh, it's just there's people from those B movies of the 80s. I feel like if you didn't break through pretty big in a big way immediately, you just kind of faded away. Like the blonde girl in Night of the Comet. Yes, whose name we probably can't even no. remember. I know Catherine Mary Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. Or what was the other one? Um, you know what? Is, she's the Jewel. What's the name? Jewel. <coughs> Jewel Shepherd. Jewel Shepherd is actually twenty times cooler than Jewel State. Brown, uh, no, brown coats. At least a million times cooler than Jewel State. Jewel Shepherd apparently did some kind of documentary where she went around the country in a bikini, trying to find out if people knew who she was. Can you not, imagine Jewel State doing that? Not recently, though, right? No, like, like a couple of years ago. Oh, God. She looks terrific still. And you can go to her website, jewelshepherd.com, and buy posters of her naked touching her vagina. Like, full posters. And I guess, I guess she'll sign it for you, even. With, like, a slug trail? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've, we've, we've decided that four... I like three a good bit, too. I like three. Three has some really good kills. Three is a lot of fun. Um... And I mean, there's other ones I like too. I mean, I'm one of the people who likes Jason X a lot. I think Jason, Love X, Jason X is Jason terrific. X, yeah. And uh, I even have grown, I've even grown to like Nine, the one where Jason's body hopping, because it has that totally wacky performance by, uh, what's his name from 21 Jump Street? Um, shit, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, there's Richard Grieco and Johnny Depp, that's all I know. Uh, the original lieutenant, the uh, play, he played Mr. X on the X Files, black dude. Um, oh, Stephen Williams. Stephen Williams. As a bounty hunter chasing Jason Voorhees. He's a 21 Jump Street. <clears throat> yeah, he was the original sort of CEO. Um, and he's was, he, got a, was he black on that show? No, he was Asian. Okay. Uh, he was Stephen Williams. But uh, <laughs> there, there's a, he has a terrific performance in that as a totally bonkers bounty hunter. Um, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm easy for them. I like all these movies. Even the ones I don't like, I like. You know what's funny is like uh, Empire Magazine did a, did a thing recently, and one of their favorites was Jason Takes Manhattan, which is probably my least favorite. It's the worst one by far out of all of them. It's sort of grown on me in how bad it is and just how uh, hugely bad it is um, because Jason's only in Manhattan for like 15 minutes at the end. It has this amazing scene. So it's the lost world of Friday the 13th movies. It's Jason takes a cruise, yeah. I mean, like, and it has this amazing scene at the end where the two kids who are being chased by Jason through Manhattan come into a bar and they're being chased by this zombie from Crystal Lake who took a cruise from a lake to New York. I don't know how that even works. But anyway, they're being chased and they come into this bar and they go, help us, we're being chased by a maniac with a machete. And somebody in the bar goes, welcome to New York. And it's just, it's so fucking terrible that it's like, it's kind of notably terrible. Yeah. So, and it includes Kelly Yu. Oh, really? Yeah, she gets, she, gets, she gets killed on a, a dance floor. Uh, on the cruise ship, yeah. But I don't remember there being. I don't remember it being gory. I don't. No, I don't it, remember much nudity. It got it got murdered by the MPA. Uh, seven and eight really took a seven really took a big hit from the MPAA. 
they cut everything good out of Seven. And Seven's not a good movie anyway. It has that Seven's the one with the psychic girl. Yeah, the John Carl Buechler. Oh, it's so terrible. But at least it had really good gore, and that all got cut out. And eight, all the gore also. And it got had cut an out. ambitious approach to Jason. I mean, like Jason, he 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 spent a lot of time trying to make Jason look different and try to give him like a, in a Seven. Yeah. Oh yeah, no Seven. Jason probably has like for a lot of fans. It's Jason's best look. I mean, he has every single hit that Jason's taken over the previous six pictures is reflected in his zombie makeup. But um, part eight does include um, the lead girl, the, the the main girl, who's also a little bit psychic in eight, does early in the picture get a pen that Stephen King used in, in grade school. Uh, that is one of the plot points of part eight. She, she's totally given a, a graduation that. present. Here's a pen that Stephen King used in grade school. I don't know Can how I you change my writing. That. It's the best Friday the 13th. <laughs> 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 Unfortunately, it's a different Stephen King. <laughs> Here's a highlighter that Mick know, Garris used to uh, <laughs> to adapt to Stephen King. Speaking novel. of anecdotal, we we went to a bar in hopes of having a, a sighting of Mick. Garris. We were looking. We were we were Mick Garris hunting tonight. It's true. We were. I mean, I, I know that, but the thing was, we had to get in line. <laughs> we ended. Up, we we didn't really do that well. We did get to see William Lustig for from a distance. <laughs> Which is about as far as you want to see William Lustig from. Yeah. Um, I remember when when uh, Jason Takes Manhattan came out, I was working at a, as a projectionist at the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And when all the promotional stuff came in, I hoarded it. Right. I was like, this is legendary. I had the poster in my room. I had the banner. I had the the, 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 16, uh, the 35 millimeter trailer. It was, I was like, folks, this is can't miss. The trailer's awesome. Yeah. It's all people in Manhattan reacting like they're being killed by Jason, and in the movie, they're not in Manhattan yeah. hardly the, at all. The I Love New York sign. Which do you is, have that? Yeah. I don't I know have, if I still do. I have that. It's really rare because um, they never got permission from the New York Tourist Bureau to use the logo, so it got banned. So anybody who has the I, I Love New York with Jason cutting through, which, which is I have hanging in my room, it is a serious collector's item. Speaking of serious collector's item, I also have the King Kong on the Twin Towers poster. Which I don't know if you know this, but that's not current. No, that is indeed an older edition. <laughs> you know what I you know what I do have? One of the first things I ever got from Chud, I got at a Dragon Con in two thousand and one, a Spider Man poster for the original Spider Man right. with the World Trade Center I reflected. Have, I still have that. Still have that on my wall. That it's is actually uh, a great poster and, and I thought the logic behind keeping it for sentimental value actually made sense. But they they, they asked to send them all back, right? They right. specifically they tried, contacted. We actually, I, I sent a modicum of them back just to appease them, right. and I kept some just because. First of all, I thought it was there was no way in, in, on earth anybody could find it disrespectful. I found it actually more kind of emotionally like fulfilling, right? And also, it was a gorgeous poster. It was a great poster. I mean, you know, that Spider Man and New York <laughs> have always kind of gone hand in hand, right? And uh, if anything, they should have recalled them and, and done another poster of the same idea and maybe changed what was reflected. I don't think they ever managed to make a poster that was that powerful. No, I, I, I definitely agree. None of the other posters were that good. Um, and I think that um, because they recalled them, everybody died in vain on 9-11 as a result. So I think that uh, I think Spider-Man uh, was disserviced. I think that there are, there are 3,000 angry ghosts right now. Heading to the west side for something. I wonder if anybody's pitched that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to pitch it. It's a ghost story set at Ground Zero, and it's about the Spider-Man poster. <laughs> <laughs> the souls of everyone who died on 9/11 is are in the Spider-Man poster, <laughs> and the only people who are going to be haunted are people that refuse to send them back to Sony. <laughs> now we know why Sony's blacklisted us. Yes, there we go. That Sony's really good with us. Actually, oh, is it Fox? Fox is Fox. black. Fox is blacklisted us. Because they're responsible for 
they're responsible for the plague, nine eleven, AIDS, and everything else since. So they're also responsible for the Joe Blow show. Ooh, the Joe Blow TV show. I haven't. I've never watched it. Have you watched it? I have. It's not bad. <laughs> well, good. Good for Bursh. <laughs> it pisses me off. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> those guys do good work. Fuck them. <laughs> Damn it for being much more energetic and. <laughs> All right. So uh, you saw the new one. The new. Friday I did Thursday. see the new one. And um, your review is available on the internet. Uh, the review is available on the secret internet. <laughs> the secret chud boards only. Uh, I'm embargoed from review, uh, but uh, I guess what I will say, the caveat is that I, I'm, I'm kind of an easy mark for Friday the 13th. If it has Jason killing people, I'm happy. But I think it's a pretty good movie. I don't. But this think... is Jason Robards. This is Jason. It's 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 on Golden Machete, and uh, I don't think that this is the best Friday. I think it might be my third or fourth favorite Friday, uh, which is pretty good because there have been eleven other ones, um, including the three with Chris Tucker. Yes, this one actually does include Chris Tucker. Uh, there's actually there's actually enough pot smoking in this movie to have possibly included Chris Chris Tucker and tits. There are some really excellent tits. There's a tremendous set of tits at the end of this movie. Are they real tits or fake tits? There are three nude scenes. Two of them are fake. One is gloriously real. Cool. Um, And, uh, you know, it's... it's, I I liked it. I I like what they did. I mean, this is what I'm going to write in my review so you guys get a a sneak preview. Is, you know, when your favorite band kind of makes a couple of really experimental albums and kind of, like, goes crazy, and then they come back with the Rootsy record that's like, this is what we were playing in the clubs... That's what this movie is. This is sort of getting back to the roots of what a Friday the 13th is. There's no body hopping. There's no Manhattan. There's no space. There's no psychics. It's just Jason in the woods running around with a bag on his head killing people. And I think I really like that. I like the back-to-basics approach. And I think that they've – Platinum Dunes have really set themselves up to kind of take this franchise back and to do interesting things with it. I think that they've set it up – the kills are okay. They're not great. I think they're – they're not in. They're not in any danger of trying to figure out how to top themselves. They can top the kills in this movie, and I think. But I think it's a good. It's it's a really good reboot. Is it good enough to get Marcus Nispel that job on End of Days? I think Mark. Mar, I think Marcus Nispel is. Uh, I think Marcus Nispel will be doing CSI pretty soon. But, oh, fucking uh, incredible. That's that's for that's for other reasons. Actually, you know what's weird? Uh, there are a couple of decent kills in Freddy vs. Jason. Mm-hmm. Surprise me. But I don't remember. I don't remember any kills from like the last three or four Friday the Thirteenth, and it got. To, we got so. I think as an audience, we got so willing to just deal that the whole creative kills and fun kills and all that became secondary. Well, they kind of got really. They got more outlandish to went along. I mean, in part eight, Jason, there's a scene on a rooftop where he's up against a guy who's a boxer, and the boxer throws a couple of punches at Jason. And then Jason just gives him a right hook and knocks his head off. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Which one? Which one? That's part eight. That's takes Manhattan. In, okay. in, in Jason X, the probably the best kill in Jason X is one of the well, earliest Jason, kills. Yeah, is when he puts that girl's head in the in the nitrogen and then he smashes her face off. That's a great. That's scene. a tremendous that, that great scene, kill. And it made the made the movie Insider and Chud's top fifty. Well, rightfully so. So I think there were a couple of good ones. I mean, and then in, like you said in. Jason versus Freddy there's a couple of good kills there's a really cool kill on Jason versus Freddy well not even a kill it's a cool scene where Jason comes on a, a rave and then gets doused on fire in which and one? Just, in Jason versus yeah. Freddy versus Jason it just but says it's, it's a cornfield rave it's a cornfield rave yes uh, and that's pretty cool it's a Stuart Cornfield rave <laughs> you know what the bummer about J- uh, Jason takes Manhattan is that what the rave scene I liked about that is that he goes to this rave and he just kills everybody at the rave and Jason takes Manhattan there's a scene where he's chasing the kids through a subway and he's just ignoring everybody in the subway except for the two kids. 
And I feel like real Jason would be just hacking and slashing his way through the subway. It would so. Yeah, like Midnight Meat Train. You've seen it. You remember that? I didn't see it. There's a scene where like the collateral damage is the best part. There's a guy who's already hung up and ready to die, and he gets he gets. There's a fight on the on the meat train, and he gets hit a bunch of times during that. <laughs> God damn it! It's best shit ever. I need to see it. Even, even if it isn't that good, I need to see is it. Is it on DVD? It it's not on. I DVD. F- don't know. I think it might have just come out on DVD recently. I think. I think I don't. I don't think so. I I've, think Lionsgate has not done shitting on that movie. I think they shit on that movie pretty hard, and I think they're potentially still shitting on that movie in the future. I think actually, I think Clive Barker pureed every print and injected it into his bloodstream. Barker liked it. Really? Yeah, Barker liked it. He was a big proponent of it, and then Lionsgate really fucked it, and they wouldn't release it. You know what happened is, <laughs> people remember this, Lionsgate, the whole thing was they were contractually obligated to release it, and, the, and so what they did is they released it in dollar theaters. Yep. I was one of those dollars. What? I mean, what a fuck you to a movie. It was $1.99 for me. Well, there you go. So you threw an extra If, I, if I had worked for Joe Blow, it would have only been a dollar. But no, it would have been even less because they're in Canada. There you go. Okay, so we've 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 talked about some of your favorite kills in the Friday the Thirteenth films. I want to go over a couple more. I think the ones that really stick out to me, obviously the Kevin Bacon one, the sleeping bag one in in Jason X, the uh, the when he put the uh, the paper in the in the blanks pistol on the set of uh, the Jason Lee uh, the the Brandon Lee movie. I was say the John the John Eric Hexum TV show. <laughs> That's. Brandon Lee's too obvious. John Eric Hexum is the choice. John Eric Hexum has his own Chud shirt. I know. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? He would have no value if he didn't spell his, his Eric with a K. That was a good show, though. Cover-up? No. Voyagers? Oh, because cover-up was what he got killed. By. I know, but Voyagers was the show he was on before that. It was actually pretty good. Like, if somebody out there is... I mean, well, Nick Nunziata, uh, producer extraordinaire who's here in L.A., Pitching projects, do do a, a movie version of Voyagers. Time travel's hot. Eighties TV shows are hot. John Eric Hexum remains hot. <laughs> Actually, someone said that maybe all of this has been indeed his greatest voyage. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the other person? Because it was a kid. I can't remember. Wasn't like Quantum Leap, kind of like a little bit like Voyagers. I mean, a little bit. But I mean, because Voyagers was like the kid had the magic compass, and then they traveled through all different points of history. Quantum Leap just kept it to all the stuff they could shoot on backlots. See, that was the, it was the much more budget version. See, the thing, the problem is, if I was in charge of a of like a, a a decently budgeted version of Voyagers, they would just keep going back to the slave period in America's history, and high five the plantation owners. <laughs> <laughs> you call it Last Friday. <laughs> um, okay, so. Jared Padalecki is in the new Friday. He is, yeah, yeah. That guy has like he he was in House of Wax. Yeah, he was in which I like too. I did too. And here's the thing: I feel like I feel like a lot of our listeners right now be like, "You like House of Wax?" But like, they put a pole right through Paris Hilton's head. That was that was that was pretty terrific. Actually, you know what? House of Wax has actually got some pretty interesting imagery too. It's a it's a really well made movie. Yeah, I think so. Who directed it? Do you remember? I have no idea. Some guy, Dark Castle. I think it was some guy. Probably Stephen Herrick. Somebody who Joel Silver ate <laughs> later on. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, and there's some, there's the, the effects are good. And, and actually, I love um, the guy that plays the bad guy, the ultimate, the guy that, uh, the good looking guy. Mm-hmm. He was in Basic. Mm-hmm. Off of, and of course, I forget his name. I'm sure he appreciates that. I know there's initials in his name. 
I believe there's initials in his name. We can go down to the front desk and ask him. <laughs> no, he's. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, House of Wax is actually a pretty good movie. No, I like that movie. What, okay, sorry to segue, but okay, let's talk about the Dark Castle. We had House on Haunted Hill, 13 Ghosts, yeah. Ghost Ship. Right. We had. Um, what was the other one that they. Uh, they did one that was kind of like. not Oh, Gothica? Gothica. You know, the thing is, most of these movies suck. I don't like the Dark uh, Castle pictures, except for. There Except are, for House of Wax. I don't like that. I like House on Haunted Hill decently, and there are moments of Ghost Ship I like. There are moments of Ghost Ship I like, and House on Haunted Hill I could probably watch on HBO, you know what I mean, if I had to, and maybe in 10 years I'll be far enough away from it to kind of accept it. But Which one? I, house on Haunted Hill. Oh. 13 Ghosts is so bad. It's 13, so rotten. That house is incredible, though. I mean, the production design's awesome. Incredible, yeah. But, like, then just go make a ride at Disneyland with that. You know what I mean? That's the thing. I mean, like... Make it, if you can make a movie, make a movie. It's fascinating. I mean, I get like a lot of shit on the boards because I like the Platinum Dunes guys a lot, and I think that they've done what Joel Silver and Dark Castle couldn't do. I think they've taken these old concepts. Did they and made do Hills of Eyes? They did not do Hills of Eyes. They did uh, Texas Chainsaw, Amityville Horror, Hitcher, and uh, Friday Thirteenth. Friday Thirteenth and one other. Um, okay, okay, because Hitcher sucked. They which and they, and they hate it by the way. They're, and, they're, and Amityville Horror sucked. Um, I didn't see it. It's it's not good. Um, the um, shit. What was the other one? Chainsaw's good. I like Chainsaw. I don't like the prequel, they, but I they like did Chainsaw. Emily Rose, didn't they? I don't know. I don't think so. they did. They did the Unborn, which uh, has um, which if Chud did a top ten camel toes in film, actually, would, be, would be would be one through nine. I would. I, I was expecting more from the camel toe in that movie. I thought it's the camel toe was astonishing. One in that moment. Movie. It's not like the whole film. No, but it is quite the moment, though. I feel like it's like that basic instinct moment. But right? I didn't realize. See, you didn't warn me that it was Gary Oldman's camel. Toe. No, well, that's the thing. It was. It was, and and his camel toe had the face of Idris Elba. It turns out <laughs> that was the most disturbing part. Stringer balls. Stringer balls. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the unborn man. I, I swear to God, it, it seemed like a big budget fan film. To me, like of like, uh, he's watched all these great movies, right. and 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 that's to me that's one of the problems I have with David Goyer is like his, his ideas. He's got some great ideas and some great moments, but he can't really deliver like a the whole punch. But um, well, I think the Unborn is like it's like it's like two movies fighting to, you know, fighting each other. I mean, like I think if the Unborn had been written a year later, he would have dropped all that bullshit kid stuff because that he would have realized that the Japanese trend was over. All that stuff with the kid was all because he had seen the ring and the grudge and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was the problem with that. Yeah, the funny thing about the funny thing about the unborn is I saw it with Steve Murphy. We did an unborn mini yes. podcast. His the thing that pissed him off most was that he had clothes. <laughs> it's like, wait, if he was if he died in the womb, why does he have clothes? But he didn't because he was the kid from the Holocaust. He wasn't the kid from the Holocaust. He was the kid from the Holocaust. See, I, I didn't get that. It I, was the kid from the Holocaust trying to be reborn as her twin. And then getting killed in the womb, and then coming back again. It's overly complicated. It's like Goyer had five different movie ideas, and he threw them all together. And like, I think he he just he overdid it. I mean, that's the problem. I think that he just threw too much shit in there and didn't focus enough. Because I feel like the stuff with like Gary Oldman and Elba, there's an interesting movie about like Gary Oldman as a Jew, first of all. Uh, and then, but just in general, I think it's good stuff to go there. But he he keeps getting lost in like the scary kid and the scary dumb stuff and the the teenage babysitting and stuff like that. You know, it's but, a movie that needed a, a, you know somebody to come in and just really like re reshape it. The a boyfriend lot. character was an absolute nightmare. He was gay too. That was the part that drove me nuts. Is you're watching the whole movie and the boyfriend is obviously the gayest dude in anything this and, side of the birdcage. And, and the token black girlfriend was just so overblown. 
But I, you know what? You I did have a kid getting hit by a car, though. It was pretty good. I'm so tired of people getting hit by cars. <laughs> I know. I know. It's the, the the glory days of Meet Joe Black are far behind us. Yeah, right? I mean, and that was that was yeah the pinnacle. I like how I think you should go into a studio meeting and and your pitch is Gary Oldman's a Jew. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> all right, so Gary Oldman's a Jew. And, and then that's they, it. They're like, how many how many digits do you want at the end of this paycheck? Because we <laughs> we're six seven. I mean, I'm we're in. <laughs> he's waiting for the he's waiting for the prophet Elijah. That's what it is. It is. That's Gary Oldman waiting for Elijah. It's like it's like uh, Immortal Beloved meets Vamp. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so uh, what it's if- like Immortal Beloved meets Portnoy's complaint is what it is. Uh, Masturbating Jews, but uh, wait, you mean James Purefoy's complaints about not <laughs> for Vendetta? So, like, what what is your ultimate number grade going to be for Friday? It's probably going to be like in the eight range. Um, I think is what I'm going to end up with. Uh, I'm 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 currently struggling with the entire numerical system. Uh, so you mean in general? Well, in general, I don't like the numbers, and secondarily, I come from... You're going to piss David Krumholtz off. I know. I hate that show. Well, you know, I have, a, I have a cousin that works on that show, doing uh, pyrotechnics, But uh, which, how much do they even have that? But, uh, but... Um, Whenever he thinks, like, sparks fly. <laughs> the thing that drives me nuts about the numbers is that I based it all on my high school experience, and I went to a high school, uh, not to toot my own horn, where a 70 or a 7 out of 10 was a failing grade. So this is colored my entire. So numerical. I went. I went to one where sixty nine was a failing grade. Was, I went to one where sixty nine was with all the priests did with you, but uh, but uh, no, I guess sixty nine was a failing grade where I went. And but I know a lot of people went to schools where it was like sixty five or sixty. So my whole thing is anything below a seven out of ten to me feels like a failing grade, and I don't think that's what it's supposed to be. And so I have a hard, I have a very hard time with the numerical system. So I feel like if I say five out of ten, I feel like that's like pretty fucking terrible. What, and what, then below how, that, how does that differ from stars? If you give something two and a half stars, well, two and a half stars, I don't know why, but it's like it's like a mental block thing. Two and a half stars, or like two and a half chud men, or whatever it would be, would not feel as as much of a failing grade as a five out of ten for whatever reason. Five out of ten feels to me like I'm gonna hide this report card from my mom. Here's two a and sp- a half out of five feels like well, I guess I could do better next time. Spoiler. The new chud redesign. When Devin on the back end enters a seven and a half. You will be treated with the sight of seven and one half creature starfish icons. There we go. Everybody goes home happy except the people that died in nine eleven, <laughs> and they don't go home at all. <laughs> all right, so Devin, what about this remake of the of the Last House on the Left? I'm seeing it. Um, I'm seeing it next week. Are you excited? Yeah, I am because I'm going to be seeing it, and then I'm going to go out after the reception with Garrett Dillahunt. Are you going to the Tony Goldwyn Theater to watch it? <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm going to the Arclight, actually, which is a, a great theater. I'm very excited. I don't know. You know, it's a dumb movie to remake, but um, and and the time to have remade it was like three years ago. Yeah, no, that's... So... To me, it's like The Hills Have Eyes kind of accomplished... Ex- I mean, like, what are you going to... What are they going to do with that premise? They're, they're not... They're going to have to make it more toothless than the original. Is he more toothless? It's going to be more... It's going to be more Eli Rothed up. And it's just—it's going to feel like a movie that it's just—it's just going to feel too late. It's just going to feel like a movie that's not on time. I mean, um, you know. And I think people aren't. I think what's going to happen. The thing about Friday the Thirteenth is that people think people are ready for fun horror movies, where the kills are fast and funny, and you can yell. And I think that the days of torture 
I mean, I still like that because I'm sick. But I think the days of that for the audiences are a little bit behind us right now. But it has legitimate actors in it. I that's the craziest part about it. I mean, Garrett Dillahunt, who's like a really and fucking Tony Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn, Star of Cuffs. Um, and uh, there was somebody else who's going to be at the pre- the party afterwards. I forget who. That's also modestly legitimate. But yeah, who's I, the I don't girl? Know. Is it Monica Potter as the wife? It might be. That might be who's going to be at the party. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of expectations for it. If it's if it's okay, I'm not going to judge it against the original. You know, it's, it's a waste of time. It's she's just, she's been sold as the Garrett Dillahunt of uh, rom com actresses. Has she, I've 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 been sold as the Garrett Dillahunt of uh, news uh, repurposers. So I'm <laughs> I'm very excited to be on the same page. I'm as the she Garrett is. Headland of <laughs> news repurposers, which would make Russ the Ted Knight. I don't know. He's the Ted Knight. I don't know. I was trying to remember the name of the guy um, who played the. Um, who was the guy in uh, Rules of Attraction who shot that whole sequence? He was in like Friday Night Lights or whatever, or like Varsity Blues. The guy went from. He went to Europe and they had all that. Yeah. Um, That's who Russ is. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm so bad with names. Pretty guy. I have to. I have to look everything up. It wasn't Dawson, right? No, Dawson's great though. That movie's fucking weird to watch now. Oh, you know what's funny is that the new Brady St. Ellis movie, The Informers, was at Sundance, and it's like one of the worst movies ever made in the history of mankind. And it's so bad that Amber Heard is in it, and in almost every scene she's in, she's naked, and it's still one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Amber Heard, I don't know who she is. She relates to John Heard. Yeah. Oh, that makes me hard. I don't think she, she... I don't know. That's a good question for the internet. Uh, but uh, she's an attractive young lady who's uh, in a number of movies. She was uh, Mandy Lane, and all the boys love Mandy Lane. Which and, is still unreleased. Uh, it's coming straight to DVD from Sony Pictures Classics a little bit later on this year. Um, but she's really hot, and she's naked in almost every scene she's in, and it's still... I mean, among the... It's among the worst things I've ever seen projected on a screen. Who else is in it? Mickey Rourke, Billy Bob Thornton... Um, a couple of people off the top of my head, I can't remember. Okay, I've never heard of either of those. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's, it's almost enough to make you wish Mickey Rourke loses the Oscar. He's he. It's the movie is oh it's it's um what's his name's last film? Uh, Mickey Rourke, Jared. Uh, God damn it, Jared Harris. No, I'm losing my who just fucking OD'd on heroin two years ago. Uh, uh, can we edit this part? Heath <laughs> Ledger. No, he last year a year ago, a year before that, it was what's his name? Fuck, not Brad Renfro. Brad Renfro, yes, it's his last role. Brad Renfro's last role, and he's awful. His it. last role was in the Continental Breakfast at the hotel. His last role was into the body bag, but uh, <laughs> this was his previous to that role, and uh, he's so fucking bad that you now know why he's dead. I mean, it is the movie is so it's among it's so rotten, it's so fucking. Rotten. I only sat through it because I knew if I walked out of it, I couldn't ethically review it. Yeah. And I needed to say bad things about this movie. And afterwards, the publicist came up to me and was like, what did you think? I'm like, I hated it. And she says, isn't that very personal? I'm like, well, it personally irritated me. <laughs> 45 minutes in, I knew I wanted to leave, and I had I had to stay for a full hour and a half just so I could tell my readers this is this is the worst thing that's happened since uh, since the people from 9-11 died for no good reason because they took back those Spider-Man posters. God damn This man. is the worst tragedy since that. And I think the worst is yet to come. Now, Amber Heard, um, I, I can't picture in my mind, but she's naked throughout. She's naked throughout, yeah. She's naked throughout, and then she gets AIDS. 
she gets fa- she gets fast acting AIDS and she dies over the course of a weekend from AIDS. It's so <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. It's so fucking she get, stupid. She get fast acting AIDS. Fast, fast. It's really this fast acting AIDS. She's okay on Friday and Sunday she's dead from it. And it's like fast AIDS is a, is a halo name. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's so and however she's laying on the beach dying of uh of AIDS fast AIDS and um she's covered like in like painted on Carposi sarcoma and she's still totally fuckable and is still naked. Uh it is it is I I, I hate this movie so much. I really do. I really hate this movie. Who directed it? Uh some some European douchebag. Okay. Greg or something or other. <laughs> So he's basically going to be played by Stellan Skarsgård <laughs> and and Peter Skarsgård, and t- t- teaming up for a CGI performance. <laughs> All right, well, uh, tell us uh, tell us some other shit. Uh, hey, what have you seen lately? What have you seen good lately? Uh, I did not see. Um, he's just not that into you tonight because it was 130 minutes. I <laughs> just really this is 130 minutes which so is the punchline is to why didn't you fuck Amber Heard on the beach <laughs> this is 130 minutes uh, I, I skip that. I'm seeing Push tomorrow uh, which I'm excited about Chris Evans is great I love Chris Evans and I feel like Push looks it looks like a you know what it, you know what it looks like it looks like a Valiant comic oh shit Warriors of Plasm or no no that was the other one that he oh, did. that was this that it looks like Harbinger it looks like sort okay, of like they, a real they were, world they were Exo Man of War right and other, okay Ninjack right it was like and Bloodshot it looks like that it looks like superheroes in a real world and I so I'm kind of excited I think it's sort of low budget and modestly cheesy but I love Chris Evans and you know so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that is Dakota that Fanning in that she is in that is she, she is reprising her Hound Dog character uh, she gets raped by Chris Evans yeah. Uh, she apparently doesn't get raped in Hound Dog. Nobody's seen it. I mean, like, it played a couple festivals, and then, like, it's. I guess it's now on DVD, but apparently she doesn't get, actually get raped in the picture. It's like she gets raped off screen or something like that, which is why do you even want to see it, then? If you can't see Dakota Fanning get raped, what is even the point? Really? I mean, that's that's why I gave up on every other film she's done. <laughs> that's why I give up on movies. I'm done. If I can't see Dakota Fanning getting raped, I don't even care. Call me back when she's when she's starring in the remake of I've, I've, I've had to get by watching Elle Fanning get raped. <laughs> but it's not the same. It's like watching Bo Bridges jerk off. It's funny. I've interviewed both of them, and Elle Fanning, um, Elle Fanning appears to be a human being, and Dakota Fanning appears to be some kind of robotic being. It's so creepy to interview Dakota Fanning. She's just so creepy. And Elle is at least like a regular girl. It's very, it's very, it's very strange. She's the one that lived. Yes. Oh, I, I interviewed uh, Joaquin Phoenix today, and then uh, Casey Affleck then interviewed me. That was the other thing that's happened to me lately. And Joaquin did, Phoenix. Did you thing. have a chance to talk to Casey as like just a regular person? No, unfortunately, Casey was sort of like he'd never turn the camera off. He was, the camera was on the whole time because Casey is directing this documentary about Joaquin as Joaquin retires from acting and begins a hip hop career. Um, and I suspected that the whole thing was sort of a Andy Kaufman-esque thing. One of my Twitter friends, and I don't know who it is, and, and whoever, if you're listening, thank you, said I should call uh, Joaquin Tony Clifton the whole time. And it really is like that. It's like when Andy Kaufman did Tony Clifton. He just stayed in character. And it was obviously a character. It was strange. I don't think it's like a Borat thing where it's like a, a comedy. It's this weird art project. It was it was pretty strange. I think um, you should have done two things to make it more successful. is, And to guarantee you'd be in the finished cut, you should have kept asking the director, Casey, if 
if he was ever going to hang out with the Sunshine Band again. And also asked Joaquin if he's hang, hung out with other hip-hop artists, like Paul McCartney's ex-wife. I asked him if he was going to remix that 911 call he made the night that River died. But uh, the, the hip-hop remix of my brother is like, choking on his own vomit. If you don't help him, I'm going to change my name from Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it was Joaquin originally, he changed it to Leaf. Really? Yeah, he changed it to Leaf and then changed it back to Joaquin. I just found that out this morning doing research for this interview. All of which is pointless because the whole interview was a fucking joke. But it was probably some sort of an outcry against stem cell research. <laughs> it was. It was. He, uh, he uh, originally was actually Roe. <laughs> Middle name V-Wade. Phoenix. So. <laughs> now, now tell us, um, did, did Joaquin have a beard and a mustache? Joaquin had a big beard and uh, he had a long hair and actually what's funny is that somebody at the table and it was a round table it was like eight of us and somebody said to Joaquin why have you changed your appearance so drastically and Joaquin said I feel like I'm changing my life in the extreme I should change my appearance in the extreme and then he turns to me and goes what's your excuse so <laughs> and I said I have no chin De- was, Devin said to hide the hair lip I said because River died and uh, <laughs> it's funny because Casey and Joaquin have been friends since they were 17 and it really feels like there's some kind of like baby brother of famous people club that they belong to you know what I mean it's Even though rough. I love Casey, I think Casey's really amazingly talented. He has operated for the last decade and change under the shadow of uh, Ben Affleck. And now Casey can get in his own stretch Hummer and go to his mansion as well, though. I don't know how well he's doing. Uh, Joaquin denied being rich today. I said, as a hip-hop artist, what does a rich white actor have to bring uh, to keeping it real? And he goes, I'm not that rich. So I-, I think Joaquin's probably pretty fucking rich, though, by all standards. He did Buffalo Soldiers. <laughs> he did, and that obviously at least made him rich in spirit. Actually, Buffalo Soldiers was a good movie. It's good. Nobody saw it, though. It's no Ladder 49, though. Did that even come out? Yeah. That was like, I got to, I got to, the exclusive opportunity, along with many other people, to, to interview folks like him and Travolta and whoever else was involved. Oh, John Travolta. He's had uh, a rough year. I can't wait to do the press for taking a Pelham 123. Boy, that's going to be a blast. You're a fan of the original, right? I love the original. Yeah. I know somebody who's seen the remake. And I've heard it's good. I've heard it's good. I don't believe it, but I've heard it. Who directed uh, that? Uh, Tony Scott. Holy fuck. Exactly. And it's got Denzel Washington playing Walter Matthau. Um, so, uh, which what means that Will Smith will now be playing uh, Jack Lemmon uh, in the Odd Couple remake. Or uh, Tony Randall, sorry. I see. I'm picturing... I'm picturing um, I'm picturing him playing Walter Matthau in JFK right now. You know what's funny is that um, when Pat Oswalt did a, a film series with New Beverly, he played a bunch of Walter Matthau films. And there was this period in the 70s, I think people don't realize, where Walter Matthau was making movies where he was the romantic action leading man. Uh, we saw this amazing, he showed this amazing film called Charlie Varick, where Walter Matthau's a bank robber who, who fucks the two hottest girls in the movie and then gets into a gunfight. And it's just like, and he's Walter Matthau. I mean, this isn't like young Walter Matthau. This is just Walter Matthau. And it's kind of amazing. I mean, people thought like, you know, oh, Seth Rogen is the leading man. That's crazy. Walter Matthau was like, there's a scene in Charlie Varick where this girl has a round bed and Walter Matthau says that he wants to fuck her in every compass position on the round bed. And Does just, he proceed to do he that? He proceeds to do it. He proceeds to wear her out doing it. 
It's amazing. It really is just incredible. So uh, there was a for, for everybody out there. If I don't know, Charlie Varick's available on DVD. It is a terrific fucking movie, and it's a very underrated film from the seventies. I, I highly recommend. Are they going to remake it with Stallone? Uh, they're going to remake it with Tyler Perry. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? Tyler Perry's Friday the Thirteenth. Medea goes to Camp Crystal Lake. Come on, who would not pay to go see that? He should remake remake Demons and call it Medemon. Mede- Isn't it troubling that every movie he adds different women? And he, he, he bursts out of the, he bursts out of somebody's black. <laughs> Tyler Perry is from Atlanta. I yes, he's a local boy. I wish Sherman did a better job. Nat Sherman. <laughs> Bug Hall. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a uh, he's he's pretty awful. I haven't seen a Tyler Perry movie since um, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Uh, I learned my lesson quickly. I cannot believe. I mean, like, I cannot believe that guy can buy everybody that's ever been a descendant of me, or I'm a descendant of. Yeah. he could buy everything. Well, you're Italian. That's very cheap. That goes very cheap. That's I know, but I'm saying much. You're, I mean, you're talking about the most mi- mixed race ever. <laughs> that I, you know, it's like. I can I can say whatever I want about him because what does he have to worry about? He's he's on he's flying a hovercraft like like around the, the fucking Washington Monument right now. It's shocking. I mean it is it is it's fascinating because I mean the thing about Tyler Perry is like I don't get up in arms about Tyler Perry because it isn't like Tyler Perry movies are like taking away from better films or whatever. He's sort of serving this audience that doesn't get served by anything else. And like, you know, I guess good for him. Like he figured out his little niche and he's like Exploited it. I mean, like, yeah, but God I, bless. You know, I, but thing is, he puts out at least a movie a year. At least, yeah, at least, and and there's the quality control be damned. Yeah, and people still go. And I think, at what point does he bite the hand that feeds him? It's never is it ever going to happen. The point when Medea goes into space becomes a cyborg. I think that's actually it. Is uh, Tyler Perry X? Actually, I would I would love to see a movie where all the franchises who went into space collide. <laughs> so, so you got Leprechaun, Leprechaun and Jason. Jason. We bring let's bring in Medea just for the hell of it. Who else went into space? Uh, the space nuts. Dave the Bowman. Space nuts. Dave Bowman to go into space. What if the monolith actually contains Medea? <laughs> There'd be so much resonance. <laughs> Two thousand and ten, the year the year we make Medea. Could Actually, we, you know what? We... Here's the zombie film people should pitch: is where all the directors whose whose posthumous films were remade <laughs> rise from the grave. <laughs> Kubrick comes out and says, "AI is nothing like I wanted it to be." <laughs> yeah, but Kubrick wouldn't leave England even as a zombie, so he would be he'd be all by himself. There's a, that's a great twist. <laughs> Just it's sort of like the end of twenty eight days later. Just stay out of England and you're all right. That's and, pretty uh, much it. Oh God, Alan Pakula rises, but he's but nobody's remade. Uh... No, but he's just he's there's not enough there's not enough of him. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite filmmakers, by the way. I like like all things all things being equal, the guy was fucking great. He's a terrific filmmaker. And he's. Destroyed. Was he in a car accident? Uh, he got like a pipe through his head or something like that, didn't he? But he was in a car accident. Wasn't that, he he was wasn't like, just like he wasn't sleeping and a pipe went through his no, head. No, like I think he was driving. I, no, I I could be wrong, but I think he was driving like on the Long Island Expressway or something like that. And there was a truck in front of him that had like pipes, and that they came loose and just fucking just wrecked him. 
is what I believe happened. I mean, that's my that's the story I, I remember hearing. I could be making that it up. Was Allie Larder anywhere nearby? <laughs> and then what, Bob Clark died in a car accident, too. He was killed by an illegal immigrant in a car accident. Yeah, right here in California. Was it's it? true. It was a black Christmas that year. It was actually a, it was actually a brown Christmas by Chief and Chong. <laughs> it was a Mexican gentleman? <laughs> it was a Mexican. It was an illegal Mexican immigrant who was drunk, uh, which is so un, uh, so unusual in the <laughs> In that, in that community, was so. he trying to? Was he taking our jobs from us? He was taking our Bob Clark killing jobs from <laughs> us. In a, you know, an American could have killed Bob Clark that night, but instead, an illegal immigrant did. He did it much faster and cheaper. <laughs> much faster and cheaper, exactly. For half the pay an American would do, would, would accept for killing the director of a Christmas story. <laughs> And uh, you know what is funny is that um, uh, Death Dream is a picture that I think they've talked about remaking, which would be a terrific really? movie to remake. That's the movie. That's see, to me, I look at, at Death Dream as there's two reasons I know Death Dream exists. It was in Tom Savini's Grand Illusions yep. book. Yep. And it's the other movie in the Motel Hell two disc DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I've I never watched I Death Dream. I didn't know that. I've never watched it. It's I, good. I bought the Motel DVD for Motel Hell. But on the flip side, <coughs> is Death Dream, and the only reason there's any significance because Tom Savini did a chapter. Death Dream on is it. really good. I think it's a movie that could be remade today. I think it could be really interesting. Uh, so somebody get somebody get on that. I think I think it's actually actually it's one of the. I mean, every movie's been optioned to be remade. I think Death Dream is being quote unquote remade. I don't I don't know. If I kind of want to see a, a Looker kind of handled better. Because I want to see. Uh, I want to see Diary of the Dead remade. That's what I would like to see. A little more quality. I want it to remake He's Just Not That Into You. <laughs> I mean, well, is, strangely enough, they're remaking the film Push later on this year as a black movie uh, starring Monique. <laughs> so, so they've, they've changed. Push. It's still called Push, strangely enough, but uh, I saw it at Sundance. I, uh, this is the year where there's two films called Push uh, coming out. The most generic thing you can call a movie. And there's two films in the same title. They so. should just legally change one to Dante's Peak. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's actually that's actually the title of Clerks Three. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me there's not going to be a Clerks Three. Uh, you know what? I think that um, Zach and Mary didn't make any money, so I think yeah, there will be. Zach and Mary was so not aggressive. Can and I have more of this uh, this, this, this booze? Pour it to your right. your heart's content. Yeah, we have to tell the, spo- the the folks what the sponsorships are. Uh, Woodford Reserve Distillers Select uh, from Lebro and Graham. We have a yeah, we have a Talk very a very nice bourbon called Woodford Reserve uh, and and uh, Coca Cola. Now I've warned Devin that it's really not a mixing bourbon, but it's so good. Yeah, but previously in the evening, Devin was ordering drink ordering well drinks. He doesn't yes. actually give a shit. He was ordering Jeffrey Wells drinks. <laughs> you know what's so funny? So today at the uh, Joaquin Phoenix Press Day, one of the co-stars of the movie who we interviewed today was Vanessa Shaw. Vanessa Shaw is one with of With an I, right? With an I. Vanessa. Vanessa. Uh, so you know uh, what I did, her vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> so she's one of the uh, co-stars of 310 to Yuma. And if you'll remember, when 310 to Yuma came out, Mr. Jeffrey Wells... Uh, was embroiled in a controversy because after seeing a press screening of the movie, he um, he emailed director James Mangold saying, "I love your movie, but I love that you had Vanessa Shaw topless, but you only showed her back. 
do you happen to have any photographs from the set of her breasts? And somehow that email made it out into the wild, and Nikki Fink published it. And um, you know what? Jeff Wells, this man is amazing because Jeff Wells just walked through that. Like, all of a sudden, the entire internet is like, Jeff Wells is emailing directors asking for nude pictures of his starlets. And Wells was just like, yeah, I guess so. And he just he just, he just just walked through it. I mean, like, I got to give the guy a lot of fucking credit. I had my own little brush with Infamy last week when my, that, that video on Slash Film showed up. And I don't think I could have, I, I would have handled that uh, as well as Wells handled uh, this Vanessa Shaw bit. But when I'm sitting across the fucking table from Vanessa Shaw, all I can think is I want to take pictures of her and send them to Jeff Wells. So that dirty old man. I'm on a similar note. Whenever I I'm, I'm into I I, ha, I have some communications with Stuart Gordon, and he gets very upset that I keep asking him for candid photos of Billy Warlock eating a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a name like Billy Warlock, he's in the wrong he's in the wrong line of work, right? Yeah, see, it I, just seems like it's like it's like I always thought he should go back to school <laughs> to start the law firm of William Warlock. <laughs> Can you imagine if he was an, am- an ambulance chaser? Can you imagine he was a doctor. <laughs> Doctor Warlock will see you now. <laughs> or create a patent for the perfect thing to keep your footlocker safe—the warlock. Oh my god! <laughs> Good lord! Oh, even for a Chud podcast, no that was bad. low. The good thing is there is no Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Tracy. Yeah, may she rest in. <laughs> Speaking of, I want to talk about the, the benefits of, of having a movie website. They sent me a R-rated screener of Pirates 2. They say, really? They didn't already a gut of Pirates 2? Yeah. yeah I, got invited, I got invited to a screening of that. It's just a bunch of handshakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to fuck you. Hi. <laughs> then cut. I got invited to a screening of that, and I didn't go, and somebody I know went to a screening of Pirates 2, and like I guess it was like all the porn stars that were in it were there, and they were all like applauding each other for their cum shots and stuff, which I just, it just feels so strange. It just feels so strange. Oh, I know that my roommate has a copy of Pirates 1. Uh, on his DVD player. You know what? Room. I was so I was. This is kind of a confessional. I was so intrigued by that whole concept that I went online. I was like, "Oh, okay, I want to see clips from this." Right. Whoever is in charge of keeping the risque photos or uh, scenes from that movie offline should be in charge of like major Hollywood releases. Because there's no, there's nothing. Really? There's nothing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to go into torrents and all that. But in all the places where you could find, like, right. Celebrity, you know, like the like the stuff that's supposed to be, you know, like hard to find. Right. No pirate stuff. Huh. So whoever's in charge of that is doing is doing a fancy job. Which is not the person who's in charge of. I, I'll tell you, it's so funny. I was at Sundance, and there was, and I can't say the name of the script um, on, on on the podcast, but there's a a hot script that's going around town, and somebody I knew had read it and was like, "Oh, it's amazing," but you'll never be able to read it. And then I came over for Sundance, and I got it two days later. And this town, there's just no secrecy. There's nothing. There's like, so the porn world has it more together than Hollywood. It was funny. Woody Allen has it more together too. Try getting a Woody Allen uh, 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 plot line out of, out of for his next movie. It's impossible. You know what's funny is like people make fun of him now, but he's he's in almost the perfect position. When was the last time one of his films actually turned a profit? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like. Although Cassandra's Dream was the worst one, maybe Sweet Lowdown, maybe. 
I bet Vicky Cristina Barcelona turned. No, that's what I'm saying. Though this kind of this one finally seems to restore some of some of the vigor. But I've always like his movies are always worse thing aside from like that love one with Jason Biggs or whatever it was. Anything but love. Yeah, uh, it's that's a terrible picture. It's a horrible movie. I don't. The thing about Woody Allen, I don't get. Cassandra's Dream's not that horrible. It's not as bad as like. It's all right. I, I have to watch it again. I I wasn't that that sold on it the first time. I, I Vicky Cristina Barcelona is really good. Um, who's the best in it? Is it Penelope or is it Bardem? I think Bardem is amazing. In it. Javier Bardem is amazing. In it. Um, the problem with with Vicky Cristina Barcelona is that Woody Allen made a movie where there's a three way with Javier Bardem. Penelope Cruz and Scarlett Johansson and does not show it to us. Uh, this is a tragedy. This is there's no nudity in that whole picture. Woody Allen himself does not appear in the film. No, right? Woody Allen does not appear in the film. And Javier Bardem is not playing the Woody Allen surrogate. No, uh, anything but this is a movie that has no Woody Allen surrogate, surrogate at all. It's sort of a very separate uh, picture. It doesn't follow that that sort of uh, that sort of uh, 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 path of his recent pictures where like Will Ferrell plays Woody Allen or or Kenneth Branagh plays Woody Allen. No, it's a totally different thing. Kenneth Branagh played the fuck out of Woody Allen. It was really, it was really. I mean, like, it's just it weird. It's, it's distracting to yeah. watch because he's doing he's doing a Woody Allen, and it's just it's just not right. I mean, like, I think Celebrity would have been a lot better if Branagh had not quite done Woody as so much as if he was on Leno doing impersonations, <laughs> and that's what it feels like. He's like I'm fucking on Leno, and now here comes my George Bush. You know what I mean? Like, it's like <clears throat> I don't know. It's like it's like very rich little. And the movie itself is conceptually good, but I feel like Brana kills it. Speaking of Rich Little, how's Dinklage doing? <laughs> he was on 30 Rock a couple of weeks ago. Did you catch him on 30 Rock? No, I saw him in 15 Rock. <laughs> you would love it because on 30 Rock, uh, the oh, storyline... Isn't line, he a love interest? He was a love interest, but it was one episode. The concept is that Tina Fey's character goes baby crazy, and she can't stop like uh, adoring babies and children on the street. And she sees him on the street from behind and thinks he's a little boy and ruffles his hair and is like, aren't you adorable? And then he's like, what? And so she has to like, she has to like pretend like she didn't think he was a child and then starts dating him. It's really incredibly funny. It's so, it was so good. That show is amazing. Still. It's, it's still amazing. Because I know they got cameo happy. They got cameo happy. The cameos still work though. Granted, their first couple albums were good. <laughs> the last couple episodes, I think, have been really fucking terrific. I really think um, the show is sort of. I don't think it's. I think season two is its creative peak, but I think right now it's really it's going particularly well. Here's so. why I can't enjoy it. It's two ninety nine an episode on iTunes. <clears throat> but don't 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 they send you the DVDs to review? Uh-uh. Really? No. That's a try. Universal Home Home Video. What what? Send Nick Nunziata copies of Thirty Rock. This is ridiculous. And then Warner Brothers Home Video. Send me Supernatural. So I heard that that's worth watching, but I won't pay for it. Well, we get them. I just sent them to Dave Oliver. No, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm, I will never review them. Yeah. I just want to see them. Uh, I will never write about them. I mean, maybe I'll write about them in the larger sense, but I won't write about you them. You know, the reviews. scary thing is people tell me that people that like X-Files and Buffy are going to like Supernatural. Well, the thing is, like, Supernatural, I watched the first couple episodes. I watched them on Xbox. I downloaded them, and I was like, well, this is like Buffy if Buffy was a show about gay people. and um, It's not. But they're not gay people, I guess it turns out. They, they, you think that they're in love, but they're brothers. Um, but everybody tells me it's one of these shows you got to watch, like, the first 15, and then it gets better. Um, but Ryan Rotten is, like, a, a, a converted lover the, of the show. The other guy that's not Jared Padalecki. Was in My Bloody Valentine. Right, and apparently he's like, a, I read your interview with him, and he seemed like a really kind of fun, charismatic guy. He's a cool dude. I, 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 I liked him. Um, 
I thought he was good. In, I thought he was good in my bloody valentine. It was, wait, too. it was a video interview, wasn't it? It was. You did yeah. not read it. You probably I, watched, I watched, it. watched the shit. Unless out you of were, it. unless you were deaf. In which case, we closed captioned it for your um, enjoyment. But um, yeah, he's he's a crazy. He's all right. I mean, like whatever. All these dudes, the actors are useless to interview. But um, he's good in my bloody valentine. I like that movie. I got um, some shit on the boards also for liking that movie. But I thought that was a, a pretty fucking good movie. Especially uh, the 3D, I thought was terrific. You, you, I'm assuming caught this. I haven't seen it. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I, I like. Actually, it. I was supposed to see it with Mr. Steve Murphy, and he uh, pushed out or something, and then he saw it by himself and he hated it. So I said, "All right, I'll, I'll skip this one." It's hard for me to imagine somebody really hating that movie. It's sort of weird because I mean, I don't know. The 3D works. It's got Tom Atkins in it. Really? Yeah. Is it a big part? A fairly, you know, prominent part. I mean, and uh, well, which means penis. And uh, you know, I, I for me it really worked. I'm again, I know I'm I'm easy when it comes to horror films, but it's got good kills. It's got really good kills, and it's in 3D, and it's fun, and it actually has a mystery at the center that isn't quite Agatha Christie level, but you may actually find yourself. It's a Julie Christie level. Uh, uh, it's more like Julie from the Love Boat level, but fucking uh, a. very close. She she is your activities uh, director, so she always had like her bras were too tight or something. She didn't really have much to show. So, it was, I think it was a failed failed exercise in trying to turn it into a sex. How do they never do the Love Boat as a movie? How is that possible? This hasn't happened. Why is it Will Ferrell not playing Captain Steubing? Isn't that just obvious? Isn't that an obvious thing in this day and age? He wouldn't play Captain Steubing. He would play Isaac. You think I Paul Rudd play Isaac? I feel like, or or maybe you get uh, they uh, would get Alan Arkin to play Captain. You get Romany Malco to play Isaac. Uh, Paul Rudd plays Gopher. I really think that Will Ferrell will play Captain Steubing. I, I really think, think so. I think and then he would sink the ship. See, see, those movies always get like a really good character actor to play like one role, like the role, like the kind of like the paternal role. Well, the death of Doctor. No, no, the Captain Steubing's the like you get Ian Holm or something, or you get. See, but I think the joke the is doctor, that the, the captain is the most ridiculous one out of all them, and then the paternal role is somebody else in the ship who is disgusted by the captain the whole time. That'd yeah. be the joke I would. No, play. okay, wait. Who's no? There's somebody that's the obvious Will Ferrell role in that. It's not the Doctor. Because the doctor's going to be. I mean, played, I guess the doctor's going to be played by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> the um, Isaac's going to be either played by a white guy because that's the fun. That's you know, the fun, joke, right? yeah. Or or they go like like Eddie Griffin on it. Well, I think Ma- I think Romany Malco, the I don't know black guy Romany from Mal- 40, 40 year old virgin. That's his name, Romany Malco. Yeah, that's a fuck name. It is. It is. It, Romany is the the gypsy people. Because. Hmm. I wonder if he ever gets Roma Mafia's fan mail by mistake. <laughs> that guy's fuck. He's not the one who's a murderer, though. That's the other guy. The criminal. <clears throat> oh, you know who I would get for that? I would get uh, Craig Robinson. See, too obvious. Too He's ob- so I'm actually working on a, on a story about that kind of thing. There's, a, there's an animated feature coming out. I saw that in the back end of Chud.com. It's, there's an animated feature coming out that's basically <clears throat> the exact, exact... Nerd fanboy casting of a of a of an animated feature. Is this nine? Uh uh-uh, uh, it's something else. Okay, but it's it's basically everyone you would. Exp- it's basically all those the players from like two different comedic factions lumped together. But uh, okay, who? Craig Robinson is pretty amazing though, and he got busted with like meth, ecstasy, acid, weed, and coke in his car. Really? Yeah, yeah that's 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 but, impressive. But he got off because he said those were just features. <laughs> He did. He did some really good improv, and they let him go. Craig Robinson. I mean, how does that? I mean, how do you? You can't arrest him. No, he's. You know, he's the nicest fucking dude too. Nice, nice, nice dude. I mean, for a black guy. 
Well, <laughs> you don't even need to preface. I mean, that's that goes without saying. But okay, so I don't remember. There was a younger. Okay, Gopher was like the kind of the 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 nebbish, the kind of like nerdy kind of right. Isaac was the the swab the bartender, bartender, the swab bartender. Gavin the McCoy. Doc who was fucked everybody. Do- Doc was awesome. He's my right. favorite character. I still think that's Jeff Goldblum's character. I mean, the Life Aquatic was kind of the love boat. Actually. <laughs> really, sort of but, was. Uh, but uh, and then Kevin Steubing. But there was wasn't there like a like a generic like action hero kind of. Like, I don't know if boy. there was. I don't remember there, there being. There was Julie. I bet you Fred Grandy would pull an Adam West and demand to be involved. Yeah. I'm still healthy enough to play Gopher. He'd probably pass a law. Yeah, he, he, <coughs> that, he, that he would have to play Gopher. He'd probably pass a law, but that's only because of his diet. He's a Jude Law-Tarian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Once again. Oh, Tracy Lords. <laughs> so how about this? We could have been at uh, Porn Star Karaoke tonight. Yeah. We the, opted to entertain you. What folks. we decided to do was go grab a bite and then go to a bar, and then we, 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 we were waiting desperately for Mick Garris to walk in. We were doing like a, a weird. We had a table full of conditioner, and I don't. And, uh, let's let's see what the readers think of our TMZ idea. <laughs> we were thinking about having Chud become like a gossip site where we kind of lurked around and waited for the real stars in the film business to show up, like the Mick Garrises or um, the Lance Henriksen like stunt double, or like um, seeing a Jamba Juice cane hotter. I was at Starbucks, and Carl Lumley was six people behind me. <laughs> He's been dead for a long time, so he was really behind you. Carl Lumley? That's Mantis. Oh, I'm thinking of... Uh, uh, John Wayne? No, Carl Lumley, the uh, old-time movie producer who the Lumley Theater is named after. Okay. Because a lot of people confuse John Wayne with Carl Lumley. That, well, that's obvious. Duh. Because <clears throat> a lot of people think that John Wayne's real name was Marion. Oh, Lemel. Carl Lemel is what I was thinking. But his Not real Lumley. name wasn't Marion. It was I Mantis. Was... <laughs> with periods. <laughs> So a female mantis. Well, wait, well, when she became a woman, yes. <laughs> and she ate the head of woman John mantis. Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Fucking the most obscure reference. Um, <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Should we be a site that focuses on the day-to-day uh, goings on of Michael Gross, <laughs> going as far as to have paparazzi waiting outside his apartment in Reseda? Who else is out there that we really need to keep the pulse? Every single night, Clue Gulliger is at the New Beverly Theater, so I could definitely get shots of him because he goes every night. And even when they're playing the same movie two nights in a row, he goes every night anyway. Really? Yeah, he really does. Yeah. And Clue Gulliger is going to die at the New Beverly, and I've asked him. I said, "Do you have like a Clue Gulliger has died in the theater?" And by the way, Clue comes in the theater, sits in the front row, and then passes out right at the beginning of the movie. And then it's always like, "Is Clue dead?" Like for like the whole movie, and then he gets up. It's, it's kind does, of it, does it bother Mr. Gulliger that he's the second most popular Clue Gulliger behind <laughs> Amos Gulliger, who plays Clue every night? <laughs> he's, uh, I think, his son John is actually probably better known to our audience these days. Not um, really. I mean, like, because Feast was a blast. Feast two. I didn't see Feast two. Was not. They're trying to get me to do interviews for Feast three. What's the premise of Feast three? It's like another movie in the series. It's honey. I think that's the whole premise. It's another movie in the series. <laughs> that's it. That was the pitch. That was the pitch. I think that's what happens with Saw. Let's, hey. let's just do a third one. <laughs> we live in a world where Tobin. Oh, Bell... I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna steal a line from somebody. Uh, a message board poster, Sean Bateman, who has noticed that um, Jigsaw is the worst 
dumbest guy in movie history. Because if you've seen any of the Saw films, you know that his whole thing is like, he puts you in death traps so that you can appreciate life. Okay. But everybody dies. He fails again and again and again. How can you appreciate life when the jaws of a bear trap are crushing your head? <laughs> Somebody has to survive one of these traps in order for his whole plan to work. His whole plan is retarded. It's really... Well, and, and, and which one are we up to? Is this We're up to Saw 5. So Saw 6 out. is going to turn out that Jigsaw saw the blob, thought Shawnee Smith was hot. <laughs> Let's start a film franchise to keep her in alive. Is she out of it? I haven't seen any of them past two. Um, I think she is out officially now. They filmed six, I think, already. It's the whole thing, and they're going to do one in 3D now. Of course they are. Man. So. And then seven is in space. I wish. Oh, God, I wish. I might actually have to go back and become a Saw fan if they go into space. That, that might actually change the whole thing for me. I hate those movies. I hate them. I saw the first one. It was an, it was a nightmare, and and I never saw another one. But it's I, I cannot believe how many regular Joes who know what I do kind of for a job come up to me, and that's what they want to talk about. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, what what drives me crazy about Saw isn't even that regular Joes are into it because whatever. It's that the other studios don't want to put anything up against Saw. So Saw owns Halloween by default. And, I mean, Mike Doherty, one of the writers on Superman Returns and, and, and the X-Men films, wrote and directed a really an amazing Halloween Trick or movie. Trick or Treat. It's an amazing movie. And Warner Brothers, I mean, whether all their other problems aside with the movie, I'm not sure what they all are, but I think one of them is that they're afraid of putting a movie up against Saw. And I think that the time has come to kill Saw. And somebody's got to step up and put a horror fucking movie up against Saw. I mean, Trick or Treat would be the perfect one. It's a great movie, and the, the it's like it is like a chud movie through and through. Really, one hundred percent. Sammy Kerr does not feature. <laughs> no, no, but it's like the thing I keep saying is it's like it's imagine, imagine an Amblin movie that was rated R. So it's like you know what I mean. Like if all those kids on on, on Halloween and ET ran into real monsters, that's what Trick or Treat is. So it's yeah. it's what, really R rated cool. movie. It is very R rated. Yeah. Is there anybody in it? Uh, 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 what's his name? Um, I'm now too many bourbons in to, uh, yeah, there's a number of people in it. Um, fuck. Uh, what's his name? Dr. Kirk Connors and, uh, from Happiness. Oh, uh, Dylan Walsh. Dylan Walsh is, uh, one of the, I mean, there's a number of other people as well. Dylan Walsh has probably the best segment. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's sort of an anthology story that all winds in together. It's so fucking good. I mean, it bums me out that. Well, I'm, you've been talking about it a while. A lot of people have been talking about it. And if I remember, I had posters surfaced for two years ago. It was supposed to come out two Halloweens ago, yeah. It was supposed to come was out. Was it a Comic Con screening? Or? It didn't show a Comic Con. It came to Comic Con. They had stuff at Comic Con. There's like a, you can go to Amazon right now and buy the book of the movie. You can go buy masks of the main character, the, the kid. I mean, they have all this merchandising, but the movie is just this vapor movie. And, and it's a movie that's so much fun. That is the kind of movie I honestly believe, if it came out, I believe it's the best Halloween movie ever made. Best Halloween movie? Period. And yeah. I'm, Halloween, like the Halloween films are great, whatever, but I feel like you could take Halloween 1 and it could be July 4th or whatever. This is a movie about Halloween. It's about, it's about pumpkin carving. It's about trick-or-treating. It's about masks. It's literally about those things. And so it is, a, it is sort of like the great pumpkin Charlie Brown of real horror movies it's fucking it's fucking amazing why is it that all the movies that get held up by the studios have at least some redeeming characteristic that makes them so worth seeing 
It's crazy. They the ones that get, I mean like a good example of a movie that got fucked by the studios, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and it's the movies that are interesting, unique, different, and can't be easily marketed the way that other popular movies of the time are marketed. Those are the ones that get fucked. I mean, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, we all know, is a classic. It's a great fucking movie, but you can't sell it in the current modern paradigm. Trick or Treat is a great fucking movie, but you can't sell it like Saw, because Trick or Treat is very much a modern-day take on an 80s kind of a horror movie. <clears throat> and so they don't they don't know how to sell it. It's it's harder. They have to work to sell it, and they, and they don't they don't bother doing it. And by the way, I'm just getting over a uh, flu, so my voice is is not that great. So I'm sorry, it's cracking like I'm just hitting puberty like Bobby Brady. But that's I have the Sundance flu. I'm I'm at the, the tail end of it. Um. Well, I mean, if you look at the track record, I mean, like Below was a good movie that mm-hmm. kind of got shafted. Equilibrium, a Chud favorite, not your favorite, but a Chud favorite. Chud, Chud favorite, and a film that's a unique picture. Yeah, it's a unique picture. Well, don't you like it? It's a movie doing but, something different. But if you think about, like, if you go through kind of the anal, like Titanic was one of those movies, right? I mean, and, and that worked out. The movies, I mean, I think that you know, if Warner Brothers wanted to put the, the marketing muscle behind it, I think that they could make a lot of fucking money on Trick or Treat. Well, I don't, I don't have the stuff in front of me, but what are the like the last five movies that studios put out? I'm sure they've put out something in 2009 already. Tonight they screened. He's just just not that into you. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think what else they put out this year. I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, their next picture is Watchmen, obviously. So yeah. that's um, their next picture. Between, I think it's their very next picture. I'm trying to think. Well, that's a hard sell too. I mean, like yeah, it's a tough sell. Watchmen's the kind of movie that. You know, I mean, it's going to require grace, serious grace for that to, you know, I'm still not convinced it's going to be a hit. <clears throat> um, I am less and less convinced as the days go by it's going to be a hit. And uh, that's too bad. Um, I think for the people involved, at the end of the day, the fact that it got made and got made right, I think is going to be the, the main, I, you know, uh, for some movies, for some movies, the life of movies is sprint. For some movies, it's about opening weekend. For some movies, it's about the heritage. I think Watchmen is going to probably be the kind of movie that... The only thing I think that might help is if they sell it as the Dark Knight of this year. Because Dark Knight's a long-ass movie. Right. It's challenging in a lot of respects in terms of the subject matter. I, it's not 100% successful, not even close. But it's... It's legit. Well, I'm curious. You talk to more. I don't talk to any regular people. Um, I live in Los Angeles and nobody regular here. I mean, what do regular people say? Regular about? people overvalue that movie. Watchmen. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Dark Knight. But what do they say about Watchmen? What are they, are they saying Actually, anything? the thing about the Watchmen is that what I've discovered in talking to regular people is that they're aware of it. They're either, they're either baffled by it or they are closeted fans of the graphic right. novel. From Because if you think about it this way, the people that are now have kids who are like in positions of power in the corporate world they were the right age to experience right. Watchmen when it came and out and that sold a lot of fucking copies Hell a yes, lot of did. people have that yeah copy. Watchmen so the thing is it's weird because like and, and there's, I have an experience recently where there's a guy who I hang out with at the cigar shop who I would have never ever thought uh, he's, a, he's a salesman he works for Microsoft he's a southern guy he's a hunter he's a total right. like salt of the earth kind of guy and we just accidentally had a discussion and he brought the Watchmen up and he knew that thing way better than I did wow. He's re- he knew it backwards and forwards he hasn't picked up a comic book since right but he read the Watchmen when he was in high school so did he know it was just called Watchmen not the Watchmen well I'm, I'm saying that <laughs> <laughs> yes um, 
I also shop at the Kroger. <laughs> but uh, but um, he, uh, do you listen to the rock and roll? <laughs> I did catch the AIDS. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got all but one aid removed. <laughs> but um, he uh, he knew. The subtext, he didn't just read it, he knew exactly what it was, <coughs> and he was very, you know, affected by it. Right. Because, you know, that's a really good way to kind of ingest meteor, you know, literature without yeah. having to read a book. Yeah. Um, and I, as a result, now he's reading, I handed him all my trades of, like, Preacher and just various things. Is like, because if, you, you know. Young blood. Catching it. <laughs> Actually. The real, the real hardcore stuff. <laughs> Basically, the, everything that opened up with image, <laughs> blood strike, <laughs> supreme, uh, then open fucking young blood. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, the other thing is that he kept waiting for the hockey. He's like, "Where's Swayze?" Uh, you know, they were making Slapshot. Really? Yeah. And it's like greenlit and going forward. Um, but uh, the other thing about Watchmen that's interesting is that it's there's a it's opening, I think, on its own weekend, more or less, and so that, I think that really helps the movie too I think that January shows us that people will go to the movies to see movies regardless of what the fuck Jan- they are January is a movie oh, because, now you can open, like, you can open anything in January right now fucking Paul Blart you open Paul, Paul Blart in July forget it you open Paul Blart wait, in January some, okay Zodiac opened in January it didn't get the it didn't get the proper support from the studio studio Paramount hated Zodiac I had Paramount PR people tell me they hated Zodiac I mean, the studio did not like the movie. I think it's they hate David Fincher until now. <clears throat> they still, now now they, he's going to be everybody's they, favorite person. They, they, still hate, they still hate him. Uh, he's a dick. They still hate him. Um, they're, not, they're not big fans. But no, they really hated that movie. They didn't get that movie. They held that movie till January, which was like a passive-aggressive way of fucking its Oscar chances. The movie's done. It was done and ready to be released in November. But, you know, it was a studio decision, so... That was why Zodiac shit the bed. But I call it the I call it the white noise principle, which is a movie can be really terrible and can feature Michael Keaton getting suplexed by a ghost <laughs> and make a lot of money in January. So I mean, how what's a fucking have, Michael Keaton movie is number one in January because it's January. That's why. Well, that's why I, I want more of that. <laughs> I also want what I, I think there should be a law. Whenever Michael Keaton makes a movie, they need to do a sequel with. Nathan Fillion? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or, or Val Kilmer. Jack Froster. You know, like... <laughs> Beetle Juicier. I mean, like, they should just do that. Nathan, that should be Nathan Fillion's lot in life. Oh, I have such a good Nathan Fillion story, but I can't tell it on the podcast. Damn it. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. <laughs> you know he's dating Brittany Murphy? Is he? Yeah. God bless him. They're gonna name, they're, she's going to legally change her name to Fillion Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of this podcast. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>